0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Bless You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I am your co-host and I am with my lovely co-host, little hummingbird who sees the hummingbirds, Elise.
1: Yeah, hi, yeah, we do. We have a hummingbird feeder and I've seen three in the past two days. They're literally magical. Like, I always thought that you calling me a hummingbird was a compliment, but now actually like seeing three in real life, I'm like, they're magical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight
1: up. And they're quick as fuck. They're fast as fuck. Have you seen that? Have you seen that TikTok or real? It's like fast as fuck, bro. I'm fast as fuck.
0: <laughs> no, but we we did the hummingbird feeder for a while. I will probably do it again this summer. It they just get a little messy, right? Because it's basically just sugar water. Uh-huh. I mean, it's sugar water in a feeder. And so sometimes they like drip and you like get sugar and little, but I mean, in LA we get, I mean, we'll have like, I mean, I'm not exaggerating probably 30 a day. It's insane. Like so many and they just swarm and then our neighbors have them. So it's like, we get this hive of hummingbirds and yeah, they're
1: adorable, but also they have to have anxiety. Right. Oh, for sure. Which is like me, and <laughs> and anxious. Per year. that's like literally how I define myself. So it works out great. but know, you can see their little heartbeats, like
0: boom, 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 boom.
1: I know. That's literally. I have heart palpitations. Do you see my uh, arthritis glove? I have my arthritis glove on today. Do you have arthritis? Yes, only in my right hand. It's the weirdest thing. Are you right-handed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well, there. Well, that's probably part of it. Yeah. So, I got my glove on. Very so, you real, know no, real legit. <laughs> you look like a robber <laughs> or Michael Jackson just like. Yeah.
0: yeah, like you're going to go beat someone up. Um, <laughs> okay, so today we're also talking about anxiety, but more anxiety when it comes to the dating scene. So we'll get to that. We've done a podcast kind of similar to this one before, but uh, apparently it's a common issue. So we don't do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But first, Elise, tell me, tell me your sparkle
1: my sparkle is about cooking so last time we were all talking about how i need something outside of fertility to focus on so i bought some cookbooks and i have been spending a lot of time meal planning and grocery shopping and actually enjoying the process and i've been like my cooking skills have gotten so good. I made brisket tacos, which were literally bomb, like bomb.com at a restaurant quality. Last night I made like hibachi chicken with veggie, like sauteed veggies and like a mustard sauce, also bomb. And each time Carl and I are trying them and we're like, oh my God, like shook that I cooked it. (laughs) But yeah, so I always had this like belief like this limiting belief i guess that i was not good at cooking and i'm just proving myself wrong and it's great you are have you forgiven your instant pot yet i have we actually had a re like a, a second round we'd made brisket tacos again and i used the instant pot for a second time and it went much smoother i think i was intimidated because it looks like like a space vault. Oh yeah. I mean, it does kind of, well, no, I just looked like a crock pot
0: to me, but like a fancy one, but Elise was like, I'm not touching this. And I was like,
1: what did the instant pot ever do to you? It was, I literally almost pooped myself when you press vent and all the steam and pressure, just like, poof, I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, the scary thing is if you try and open that
0: lid when it's oh. not been that like, that's, dangerous.
1: No, I, I read the instructions, the safety instructions. So that will not happen to us, but yeah, I'm, I've been crushing the cooking game and I've also been getting active. Like I've, I've had two chips on my shoulder about cooking and being athletic and I'm just proving them wrong. Yeah. Very very good. Yeah. I mean, I
0: feel like anyone can be, this is not to put you down by the way, this is to lift others up who are intimidated, but I think anyone can be a decent chef if they get the right gadgets and they follow the recipe and And, do not stray.
1: And also like, I think that there's such a thing about like wanting to be the best or comparable to someone that you know, who's doing what you want to do right off the bat. And like, you're going to suck at something when you first start it out, you know, like you don't, you don't just like want to run one day and knock out 10 miles. Like, so I think that that's the hurdle that a lot of people, myself included, have a hard time getting over. It's like, if you want to try something new, you also have to be, flexible with yourself to know that like, it's probably going to be hard and overwhelming and stressful, and you probably will suck at it until you keep practicing. And I think it's more about the consistency versus like how good you are,
0: you know? Damn, you are a two wing one. (laughs) Well, I'm is listening I, to you and I'm like, yeah, of course you're not going to be great
1: when you start out like, duh. And then no, realizing I, like, that is your worst fear. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I have not tried to do something because it doesn't come easy. Taxes, for example, every year, Callie has to send me a message to do my taxes and she has to walk me through them every single step because... They're so overwhelming to me and it doesn't, that's one thing that actually doesn't get easier because it's only once a year. So it's like doing it all over (laughs) from the very beginning for the first time each year. But if it's something that feels like everybody else already knows how to do it or is is good at it and I'm like the one who doesn't, that, that causes me massive amounts of stress. Did you feel like everyone around you
0: could cook really well?
1: I mean, yeah, I follow like, you know, food bloggers and things. So you like follow that. people who cook for a living? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's so funny. And then you're like, that's the bar. That's yes. what I'm trying to reach. That's so funny. I have no desire to be like as good as a cooking or like a food blogger. I'm like, oh, you imagine having to have like all those ingredients on
1: hand, like all the time. I know. Ugh. It's very stressful, but yeah, I guess I'm like more and more since we, since we first mentioned, maybe I'm a wing one. I'm like more heightened to see how perfectionistic I am.
0: Oh yeah. Big time. Cause I only wanted to get good at cooking because I really like eating, but like not too good at cooking to where (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) like eat all the time and be like, everything I make is, you know what I mean? Like I need to be decent at cooking so that I'm not like, what the fuck? Like I just spent an hour and this is shit. Like there's yeah. nothing worse than that, but mm-hmm. it needs to be like good enough to where I'm like, damn, I like don't want to order anything. Cause I know this is good, but not yeah. to the point where I'm like, I need thirds.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yep. I'm right there with you, but yeah, I'm going to have to dive into that a little bit deeper. Like where did that come from?
0: Well, it's there. It's
1: def- <laughs> it is definitely rearing its head for sure. I don't know what the origin story is, but it's there. Um,
0: oh. okay. So my sparkle is in honor of the Oscars last night. And I'm not oh. going to talk about the hot topics. <gasps> Dear Lord. I was like, what is happening? Um, but I am in a love hate relationship with LA and I always will be. And it's just because LA is, you know, over the top ridiculous. I mean, my perception of reality is completely skewed because I live in a city where people move to just cause they're hot. Like name another city where people are like, I'm hot so I'm going to move there. (laughs) And then everyone's rich and everything's so expensive. So there are times where I'm like the city's bullshit and it's like bad for my mental health and this place is stupid. And so I had, um, so watching the Oscars last night, I realized, so two weeks ago, I think I got to go to this place called the Largo, which is like my, one of my favorite, um, like venues and it's like an old auditorium. So it like very much gives vibes of like being an assembly when you're in like third Mm -hmm. grade and like you know what I mean? It's like very old school. And um you like there's no recording, no heckling. It's like very strict. And tickets are like 35 bucks. And so and it's just like amazing. So it's a place where comedians typically go to practice their material because it's a very welcoming environment. Mm. Um, and so you, that's why the, pre, the, uh, tickets are so cheap because you're getting kind of a rough show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of get like a sneak peek. So, I mean, I've seen so I, we saw Larry David there. I've seen, um, John Mulaney. I've seen Nick Kroll, uh, Sarah Silverman, Ellen DeGeneres, Chris Rock was there once. I mean, I've seen so many people there. And so last time we went, it's like Sarah, it was Sarah Silverman, Jenny Slate, uh, two other people. I can't remember their names. And then the closer was Amy Schumer hmm. and she did her standup bit that she did at the Oscars. So she oh, like, cool. so I got to see it two weeks ago. Yeah. And I mean, she was just as funny then she, and the funny thing is I will say she had some pretty gnarly jokes about certain people that were in attendance. And she said, by the way, this is the material I'm not actually going to deliver, but like, they're so good that I'm gonna <laughs> tell them here because y'all <laughs> can't record it. It isn't, it's not gonna leave this room. Wait, um, I wanna know. She, she said like, oh my God. She says, if I, if y'all like this set at the end, can you all give me the Nicole Kidman clap and did like <sighs> the palms together clapping and then, she said, oh my God, one that was so funny. She was like, if you are a movie buff in France, you're called a Francophile or something. But if you're James Franco, you're called a pedophile. <laughs> I was like, damn girl. I mean, really like so funny. She had a few others where I was like, woo. but like notice she cut those out. And so she like came for the golden globes and she kind of came for herself a little bit. Um, and she like made fun of you know Jake and Maggie as like an innocent joke and like whatever. But it w- it was cool because sometimes living in LA, I'm like, damn, girl, you're cool. And that was one of those moments. So I was like, oh yeah, like I got to see her practice this.
1: That's awesome. Like
0: so fun, yeah. And I thought she was so great. Like I really thought. I mean, the hosts I thought were really good this year.
1: I love her. I love Amy Schumer.
0: I do too. And I'm so excited that Coda won. What is Coda? Have you seen Coda? No. Um, it's Children of Deaf Adults, but it's also yeah. like a symbol in music, and so it's about um, a child, a hearing child within a deaf family, and her passion is singing. So it's like this very, you know, yeah. interesting dynamic, and she's the obviously the only hearing one in the family, so she also serves as the interpreter, and it's on Apple TV. So it was a huge <laughs> win for Apple, where. My husband works um because Netflix and Amazon have been vying for an Oscar this entire time. And I <gasps> Casey Affleck, I guess, got one uh for Manchester by the Sea, which I think was an Amazon film, if I can remember right, or maybe it was released on Amazon after. I can't remember. Um, but this was the first film to win best picture that was on a streaming service. And Apple's the youngest one out of all of them. So it was oh so not only was it big for the deaf community, but it was also huge for the
1: stream <laughs> for the streaming services. So that's awesome i I studied I sign language all through college I was actually like an interpreter for my deaf professor for sign 101 my senior year it was so cool you have to see this movie I know I'm literally gonna watch it tonight
0: oh so. my god I cried like the first the first half or even like the first like two-thirds you're kind of like okay this is cute but like I don't like Oscar contender, like, Hmm. Okay. And then the last third of it, you're like, Oh my God, how is this not the front runner? And you like, totally understand. You'll understand why it won. I mean, just Unbelievable, and the dad won for best supporting. I mean, I'm excited that Jessica Chastain won. Can I just say one quick thing about her, and then we'll move on? So, the eyes of Tammy Faye, she had to wear like all the like prosthetics and like makeup. I mean, I'm sure she was in the makeup chair for like four hours before every scene. And so, the Oscars cut. Their whole, um, so normally they do like costume design and makeup and like sound mixing and like, okay, I get it. Maybe they're kind of boring awards for like a lot of people who aren't familiar with the movie industry. Fine. But like these people work their asses off and without them, the movie like doesn't exist or it's not nearly as good. So they cut those awards and like gave them out before the ceremony started. And so, as they're doing the red carpet, as celebrities walked in, they're like co-workers are getting their awards, like not on screen. So just, yeah. So Jessica Chastain, who won best actress for her role of um, Tammy Faye, she was like, fuck that. And didn't walk the red carpet and went to like the sub, you know, stepbrother Oscars to support the makeup crew. And they won, which was even more, like more fun, but like, so they did a bunch of reaction shots or whatever of her, and it's like I swear they were like, yeah, because she was the only one there. Like <laughs> everyone else did the red carpet, and she was like, I'm not doing that. So I just
1: good for her. I, I
0: like. I love her. It would make me so happy. Okay, that's enough Hollywood talk. Sorry, it's just our Super Bowl.
1: You know. <sighs> it is. I know is. you said, "Are you watching the Super Bowl?" I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Confused.
0: You're like, "That was in early February." I'm like, nah, "No, no."
1: It's on tonight. Uh, okay. Let's
0: move forward with the letter. Okay. Dear blush. I need help. I'm getting so frustrated with myself and I honestly don't know what's the problem. So here I am. I'm 29 years old and I'm on the quest to find love and I am defeated. I moved to Nashville about a year ago and have been prioritizing friendship and fun. And it's been a blast. However, I feel extremely conflicted because I'm honestly ready to meet someone, settle down, get married and start a life with my future husband. I keep putting myself out there and going on all the dates. And every time I think it's going somewhere, I get ghosted. I'm on all the dating apps and have been prioritizing getting out of my comfort zone. I really believe that where your focus goes, energy goes. And I'm a big, I'm big into manifestation and woo woo stuff. There have been five guys that I've totally hit it off with over the course of the past eight months. In my mind, everything is going great. We connect and have chemistry and then boom, just like that, I'm ghosted and can't help but to internalize and wonder what I'm doing wrong. When I start to feel them distancing themselves from me, I literally shut down because my anxiety is too much. I start criticizing myself and checking my phone every other minute, hoping they will reach out to me. All I want is to find the love of my life. And so this process has completely worn me out, and my confidence has taken a huge hit. My question is what am I doing wrong? Is there a better way to approach dating and finding the love of your life? How do I not get so invested when I meet someone that I totally click with? From Little Lovebird.
1: Mm, I like her name. Yeah, it's cute. Very cute. I totally resonate with this letter writer. I think that you know, also on a parallel too, because like, I feel like I've been very open about wanting one specific thing and you do everything you can to make it happen. You manifest, you focus on it, all the things. I totally get it. But I've said this before and I will say it again. When you have a sense of urgency or desperation about something that you want, you don't have clarity. And I think that, you know, I think that that makes it, so much harder to try and navigate something and be on a quest to find something that you really want with a sense of urgency and desperation. And, you know, Callie and I've said this before too, but if, if you feel it in your heart that you want to be a wife, you have to just trust that that's absolutely in store for you. It's just not happening on your timeline.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and also to me the what stuck out to me is I love this little tidbit that she gave us. There have been five guys that I've totally hit it off with over the course of the past eight months. That's, that's pretty rushed. I did quick math and that means that each guy has gotten like a month and a half, like Mm -hmm. six weeks. And like, I get it. You can definitely totally hit it off with someone in the matter of six weeks, but in a lot of situations, it takes way longer than six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if, that little lovebird is like pressing on the gas and trying to speed things up and make things maybe go on a faster timeline than it otherwise would. Mm-hmm. And when that happens and you force something, another person can sense that. Like yeah. if something is is going on in my life that feels inorganic, my in- instinctual reaction is to feel trapped. Mm. because it's like something's out of alignment. And then my reaction is to feel trapped. Like I've just noticed that. And so I'm not trying to say that this is what's happening every time, but I do think you ask, what am I doing wrong? And that right there stuck out to me. Like maybe you're trying to move things quicker than they need to be moved along. Like, you know?
1: Yeah, and maybe she's like falling for the, possibility of a relationship versus the actual person, mm-hmm. you know, like I've, I've always like loved love. And I think when, when I was dating and putting myself out there and, you know, I would connect with someone, you know, you, you don't even really know who that person is, what, you know, you're just getting to know each other. It's like fun surface level in the beginning. So maybe it's the potential of what it could turn into that they're clinging on
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't want this to come across as judgmental at all, because I also know that it's possible for these things to happen. And at least you can probably speak to this more, but like Andrew and I had a little bit of an accelerated relationship. I mean, don't get me wrong. It took us what, five years until we were married. So it's not like it was that accelerated, but I mean, in the beginning, we pretty much quickly went from like friends to like exclusively dating fast, mm-hmm. but we knew each other. Like I had first met him when I was 18. Yeah. And we started dating when I was 24. Yeah. And that's not to say that like we were besties and I knew everything about him. I definitely didn't like, you know, people are like, oh, you were friends first. And we kind of correct people like, well, we, we ran in the same circles, right? Like it's not like we were connected at the hit from when, you know, I first met him. But Still, it's kind of like that first initial step where you're vetting someone and you're trying to figure out: Am I safe with you? Are you a serial killer? Like, can I trust you? It's like you have mutual friends in common to support all those things. Be like, okay, he's not going to kill me. Like, I can probably trust him. Like, other friends have said he's cool. So, so it, it speeds it up in the beginning. Yeah. If you're on apps, you don't know these people you have no idea who these people are. There is no mutual trust. There's nothing going on to support the fact that you two need to be rushing into something. Mm -hmm. And so I I'm not going to say that if you meet on an app, you shouldn't, things should not progress quickly. I'm sure there are plenty of couples who would look at me and be like, that's not true. Like we accelerated really fast and everything worked out fine. It's like, okay, great. But I would say for the average person, it takes a while to build trust, to feel comfortable, to get to that point where you, again, feel safe, um, to meet each other's friends and be like, oh, this will work. Like That is not something I don't believe that happens typically in six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think if you are going into this with a results attitude, meaning like I'm going into this for the end game, for the, for the pot at the end of the rainbow. Like I want success. I'm just nervous about that. Instead of going into it with like, can I trust you? Am I attracted to you? Are you safe? Do you bring out the best in me? Like it's a completely different mindset coming from someone who's very results based.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I, when I, when I was actually a blush client, my coach told me, we, we processed through that every potential date that I was going on, I was going into it with the mindset of this could be my potential husband. And that was already putting so much pressure on the date, on the person I was going on a date with on me before I even met this person. And so working through that you I had to kind of switch my mindset and perspective on this is just someone that I'm connecting with, like another human being and we can share stories and, you know, everybody has their puzzle piece and this might, you know, we might have a connection or we might not and either way is totally fine. And I think that that might be like a, a perspective shift that this letter writer might need to come to terms with because Mm -hmm. when you're so focused on, the results, like Callie said, even with this fertility journey, like I, you become when you try, when you go into it with an intention and you know what the results are supposed to be, and then it doesn't happen. It's almost like you get more obsessed with it. And then, and then more obsessed and more obsessed And every defeat feels like that much more reinforcement that you have to cling to what you actually want to like prove it to yourself. And like, I totally, totally understand that but I don't think that that's helpful at all yeah you've
0: been real real happy with with how things have been exactly I mean I also think you put your blinders on like if you start Talking to someone, you're like, I'm going to marry this person. It's like, damn. Okay. I guess that means that you don't need to pay attention to that red flag or that red flag or that red flag. Because if you're going to marry this person, then you're going to have to work throughout those things anyway. It's like Mm -hmm. they just get a free pass to do anything they want because you've already decided that this is going to be the one that works out, Mm -hmm. which is just such a dangerous game because the majority of the people that you meet are not. Gonna be the person that it works out with. It's I mean
1: it's like gambling, right? You go all in, all your chips in on a bet, and then it's like the oops, yeah, shit.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it might even be that there are signs that and it kind of says that like once they start to distance themselves and then you you know, it's the dance, right? Someone's distance. And then you follow and chase really intensely. And then you back off and then they start to come back. I mean, that's just human nature. Um, but I'm wondering if you weren't so intensely focused on the happy ending, the last chapter that you would maybe pick up signs that maybe you two aren't as compatible as you thought. Yep. Um, Because if they're ghosting, it's for a reason. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong. It might just be that they see something that you don't because you're so intent on this
1: working. Mm -hmm. I think when you start to impose your will on your journey, you lose connection with like your intuition and your heart and where that's leading you. And so maybe, I mean, maybe just like take commit to having a month completely off of dating, delete the apps, focus on you, figure out like, what do you need? What does an ideal day look like for yourself? Because if you're not, you have, the way I see it is you have to have a really solid foundation and relationship with yourself before you can branch out and be successful in your career, successful in a relationship, successful in friendships, or, you know, maybe success isn't the right word, but at least have those be vibrant areas of your life. And so I think that this letter writer is probably neglecting herself and her intuition and her, the relationship that she has with herself because she's so focused on getting married. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: think that's right. So I guess we can answer her last questions. My question is, what am I doing wrong? Well, you're probably approaching this with a very black and white mentality. Mm-hmm. It's either if we click, that means we're getting married. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, that means we're not And next. And it's like, that's not true. Plenty of people have long-term relationships where they don't end up with them in the end. And just mm-hmm. because I click with people all the time, I mean- I click with tons of gay men. We're not going to get married. (laughs) So like, you know, you can click with people and that doesn't guarantee you shit. Um, sometimes I click with people and then I never talk to them again, (laughs) you know, like that doesn't even guarantee friendship. It just doesn't mean shit. And so I think stop reading into that. Um, is there a better way to approach dating and finding the love of your life? Probably by not actively searching for the love of your life. Yeah. I know that sounds weird. I know that's what you want, but maybe just searching for someone you like spending time with. Mm. Like, I think we need to lower the stakes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it feels these are high, stakes. high stakes.
1: Yeah. Super yeah. high stakes.
0: <laughs> like, we need to gilded age this, just like <laughs> low ass stakes. <laughs> uh, that show oh. is about nothing. <laughs> uh, truly. We thought Downton had low stakes. Bam! They answered that question. We can go lower. Uh, so yeah, I would like for you to gilded age this. Not Bridgerton. Okay. Bridgerton's, they build those stakes, right? Um, yeah. So just woo, release some of this pressure and instead ask yourself, do I like spending time with this person? Would I rather go on a date with them on Tuesday, or would I rather stay at home and watch. Bridgerton. let's choose Bridgerton <laughs> like that's a question you need to ask yourself not can I see myself marrying this person because it's like the answer is hopefully no yeah. like, I don't even think you know their middle name like you can't yeah. marry them yet and you don't you don't have enough information. I mean honestly, I'm just gonna say it most people don't have that information at six weeks, let alone two to three months and it's just fucking luck if yeah. it ends up
1: working out. I mean like, it is. That's like Carl and I, we, we literally like moved in together after three weeks and then like, you scare me. I know I scared the shit out of myself and it was so unlike me, but it worked out. But I, I tell Carl this all the time when he got down on one knee, the first thought that came into my head was, Oh fuck, Mm -hmm. this is too soon. And then I was like, fuck it. Cause that's so unlike me. And it worked out thank God. And right. And I'm not trying to say that you and Carl aren't amazing or
0: whatever, but like when you, when it happens that soon, it, you are relying on a little bit of luck because you just don't know the other person well enough because time is not on your side. Like one not word. enough has happened for you to even see how the other one reacts to certain life events. One and word. and by the way, it took Andrew and I again, five years until we got married. And there are still situations that come up where I'm like, damn, I didn't, okay. Like you respond that way. You know, like I, there are still moments where I'm like, why are you not jumping down in excitement? He's like, I don't know how many times I've to tell you that I'm not an excitable person. And I'm like, you keep saying that. And I keep asking, so it's true, but like, is it? You know, <laughs> like have <how, laughs> been together for like ten years now. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. It's just like I, I genuinely don't think it's even possible to know for sure. And I it's, think a lot of people who rush into it, like if it works out, they got really lucky and good for them. And I'm happy for them.
1: I completely agree. I really do. And, you know, the things that you have to work out will be worked out at some point, you know, it's just a matter of where you're at in the relationship. But yeah, I, I, you know, I think some of my clients, like I share my story and meeting Carl and how quick and fast paced it was and how it (laughs) worked out. Thank God. And, but I always reinforce, like, there's really no reason to rush. I think that I, you know, I, we rushed into getting super serious really quick. We rushed into IVF and, you know, trying to have a baby and it's just like, you know, slowing down and just taking your time. Like time is on our side. Like we, we, we have time to do Mm -hmm. what we need to do and what we want to do. So like, Mm -hmm. don't feel like, where does that pressure come from? might be biological,
0: honestly. I mean, we really might be telling you to like ignore your body and I don't want to do that, but I don't think that's it. I think there, I think some of it's biological, of course, but I think a lot of it is, um, reinforcement. So like so much of society tells women to find Mm -hmm. the love of your life. And if you don't do it in your twenties, then you're an old maid. If you don't do it in your thirties, then you're royally fucked. Like, so I think Part of it is a desire that comes from ourselves. And then that desire is just like, again, reinforced a million times over to the point where it becomes fact and like a need instead of a want. Mm. And so I think that's part of the problem. Um, So how do I not get so invested when I meet someone that I totally click with? Yeah, I mean, I love that phrasing because it really is invested. Um, I'm wondering if those six weeks that you've given to each guy, you go tunnel vision, full steam ahead with them. And I think what I would recommend is slowing things down. So trying to put like, I remember working with clients, I would put a time limit on how long their dates could last. I would put limitations between how often they could see them. And this was just to slow down the pace, right? So, cause they would be spending eight hour first dates. And I was like, Jesus, Christ, stop it. I'd be like, no, your, your limitations three hours. Like after two drinks, you're gone, right? Okay. It's, you're going to turn into a pumpkin Cinderella. You got, <laughs> you gotta go. And then I would say, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to give you specific time differences, but like, if they want to hang out the next day, sorry, you're busy. They need to plan ahead. You've got a schedule. Um, Don't back out of plans or not make plans because you're nervous that they're going to ask you. Okay or if they do ask you cancel it's like no you continue to live your life as you would you just get a fun bonus on certain days. Yeah. And then as time goes on then you can start building and building and building and let it and it'll happen organically but you have to make a promise to yourself to not abandon what you say, you're making a priority, which is friendships and fun. It's like, okay, do those go out the window when you meet someone cool? I mean, keeping yourself invested in other things it's mm-hmm. is what's gonna like keep you balanced.
1: yeah, a hundred percent. I love that. Yay, did we, did we answer all the questions?
0: I think so. Okay. I mean, I would I do wonder if she's got an anxious attachment style, and if she does, I wonder where that originated from. And a lot of the times when we have mm, no, I don't want to say problematic, but maybe patterns that are tough to break when it comes to dating and romance. A lot of times those patterns are actually created way back in the day when mm-hmm. we were babies. So it might be interesting to dive into that and see if there's anything telling there. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise I feel like we gave
1: some good feedback. Do you have anything else? No, if anybody, um, I'm glad that you brought up attachment styles. I have a great Lori actually sent me that you did. You took it, right? Mm -hmm. Remember I was, I was, um, securely
0: attached to everyone except for the general public. (laughs) (laughs) And I was avoidant when it came to the general public. That's hilarious.
1: Um, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So there's this great, um, attachment style quiz. So if anybody listening wants to take it, it's, it's awesome. It tells you your attachment style with your mom, your dad, a friend, your partner, and then the general public. And, um, it has like a couple other measures that are pretty great too. So if anybody listening wants to take that, just shoot me an email, Elise at joinblush.com. Yes. Um, and then hold on. I want you to answer
0: or at least comment. Cause I'm not as into this stuff. So do you mind commenting on where she says, I really believe that where your focus goes, energy goes. And I'm a big, I'm big into manifestation and woo woo stuff. I think we kind of address that where your focus goes, energy goes. It's like, we talked about this last week too. Like You don't have to give a hundred percent to receive a hundred percent. Like not even close. Like you Mm -hmm. can give twenty percent and still end up getting what you want. I hate that mentality. It's like so rooted in freaking capitalism, and like just working your ass off. And that if you're not working, you're not gonna succeed. It's just Mm -hmm. like I mean, think about it. We're just like setting ourselves up for like burnout and exhaustion and honestly despair. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But the manifestation of woo woo stuff. Help.
1: <laughs> yeah. I actually was um, I spent the whole day today. It's so nice outside reading. Um, and it's called burning bright by Kelsey Patel. And she was actually talking about um manifestation and just like intention setting. And the way that I thought that manifesting had to go is that you had to focus on it all the time. And it had to be a constant, consistent intention that you are putting out into the universe. And like, you know, you like are up anxious at night, Christmas Eve, because you know that Christmas is coming the next day. Right. So like almost like anxiously awaiting for what you want to happen to happen. And Kelsey talks about it as manifestation and intention setting really is so simple. And it's just a matter of thinking about it and and setting your intention and then letting go and and continuing to move on with with your life and continuing to being open to receiving it. And she also mentioned that sometimes when manifestation, you know, you've been manifesting something for so long and it's not happening the way that you want it to happen, could be an issue in your beliefs around being worthy of receiving what you are actually manifesting. So this could be like a worthiness, you know, if you have limiting beliefs of you're not worthy of someone's love or whatever i think that's all entangled in like our upbringing and dynamics with our parents or caregivers but i think that that's the two pieces that she really pointed out is one you you set the intention and then you let it go and you let the universe do what it's supposed to do and i think that you know even just waking up and saying like you know having a baby is very important to me or having a husband is very important to me and then letting it go and moving on you know continuing your day and then secondly the worthiness to receive whatever you're asking for, I think is a huge piece too.
0: That's interesting because that's exactly how I've approached manifestation. And I always felt like I was doing it half-assed because everything I read was like, and write your three intentions for the day and then write your five for the year and then write your 10 for your lifetime. And I'm like, God, like exhausting much? I'm
1: good, man. Well, I also think that's because it's such a saturated market. Like I think that so many people are like trying to take control of their lives because they feel otherwise out of control. And by being super- regimented or like rigid in what you're trying to make happen. I don't know. I think, I think a lot, I I don't know. I just think there's a lot of information out there and like getting back to the basics and simplifying things has always helped me. Like whenever I feel like I'm in a rabbit hole that I just can't get out of, or my head is in a pile of shit and I'm just like so consumed by something, some aspect in my life, truly just disconnecting and simplifying and doing less is is what, (laughs) what is what helps the most when in reality, you're looking for a specific thing. You're Googling, you're searching, you're talking about it. You're thinking about it all the time you're planning for. it, And that's all just giving you a false perception of control. And in reality, there's so much that we don't have control over. And so we just got to let go and we got to like do less and doing less doesn't mean that you care less. Doing less just means that you're doing what is within your power and you're letting go and trusting in the rest, you know? Yeah.
0: I think, uh, I, I forgot this was advice I used to give to my clients and it really, it worked for most of them, uh, which was, okay. So the thing that you want, so in this case, it's, getting married um, to someone you love, I would say, what if I were a time traveler and I could travel a decade into the future and I could confirm that it happens? Mm-hmm. And I came back and I told you, so I'm telling you right now, I saw it and it happens. Like, how would you feel? And they were all like, every single one of them was like, relaxed, confident, <laughs> like I'm good. And I was like, that right there Is how you approach the goal. Yep. Relaxed, confident. It's going to happen. Yep. Right. So when you, and I think, I'm not trying to say that you're scaring away everyone, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least one or two of them might've been a little like nervy (laughs) about it. And so if you can approach this with that manifestation guideline that Elise just said, so like I'm manifesting it. I want it. Okay. I'm walking away which is to say it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm just going to let it happen mm-hmm. and then approach dating with that attitude. I think you become a lot more one laid back and not as anxious, but two, you're like, okay, but do I want it to happen with you? Like it's going to happen. It's guaranteed. So mm-hmm. like,
1: is it you? Yeah. And that's
0: the exact right way to look at it.
1: I love that so much.
0: Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. That's little lovebird.
1: I think that's it
0: okay let's wrap it up uh if you have a story you'd like to share with us I want to hear it so write in to bless you at joinblush.com so we can read it and you can be featured on the podcast and most of these are anonymous so do it uh and then if you are ready to work with a life coach Elise might be taking some clients Me. maybe probably I don't know I so mean-
1: potentially if, if it's you're, the right
0: fit. Uh-huh. So if you're um, open to it, use promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. Who knows? It might be a lease. Uh, that would be really cool. And then otherwise, I hope that y'all have a wonderful weekend. Me too. Yeah, we want that for you. Hopefully you <laughs> see a hummingbird.
1: Oh my god, I'll take pictures. I'll post <clears throat>
0: diet again? Whose diet consists of sugar? Yeah. I, of course they act the way they act.
1: I feel that I like love sugar. I made, this is not relevant, but important. I made, um, dates stuffed with creamy peanut butter dipped in peanuts covered in milk chocolate. And it is crack and a half like so good. So good. So I had a
0: croque madame the other day and it was like a heart attack on a plate and just really enjoyed it. So, I don't know
1: what that is, but I'm going to look it it's up. It's right a now. French sandwich,
0: the female version. <laughs> okay. Okay. You can get a croque monsieur or you can get a croque madame. I said, I am a woman. Hear me roar. I've got the female version and it was I, lovely. I
1: love okay. <laughs> we'll
0: sign off now. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> go, go, go have some peanut butter dates and a croque madame. And we'll see you next week.
1: Uh, I love it.